Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today, Pietro Abella. We're going to be talking about the ark. What is the ark? A return to consciousness. Now, I know this word consciousness is going out there a lot, and everybody is going, what is it? How do you tune into it? What does it mean to me? Uh, what the hell is consciousness in the first place? I'm awake. Isn't that enough? It's a word that kind of been thrown around and not a lot of definition on what it is or what it applies to. And when we actually truly live in a consciousness, when we are aware and all our sensory is awoken, we actually know what to do with our lives, how to listen, to tune in. Uh, all the answers lie within that come from that beautiful divine energy and it guides us into understanding our purpose in life, our direction, what we're here for. Remember that meaning of life that everybody's looking for? Consciousness helps us understand this and navigate this. It is not something that is a program that you download. It is not an external thing. It is something that lies within you. And so we're going to be discovering this return to consciousness today with Pietro on how it came about and the ARC Institute, uh, where he um, is the original um, uh, bot body speak, sorry, getting my words all mixed up there. And he's going to teach us actually how to to kind of tune into our consciousness and, and how to use it, how to wake up to it, how to use it physically, mentally, in all aspects of our lives. He's been doing this for a very, very long time and all his expertise is going to come out in this show today. You want to read all about him, please do look at the posting. Um, this man knows what he's doing. So let's share this wonderful knowledge with you and help you return to consciousness. Welcome to the show, Pietro. Thank you very much, Sarah. My pleasure being here. Now, I just want to point out to people your name, because, of course, it looks Spanish, and you're sounding Scottish, and you're uh -huh. living here in Canada, and it might confuse a few people. So let's just address that so that people aren't allowing that to get in their way. This is the most asked question. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's having an accent like that with a name like that is going to be asked. I know, I know. It seems like a paradox, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, my grandfather was from Malta, and he was a merchant sailor, sailed to the shores of northeast England, Newcastle, which you said sounds Scottish. Newcastle is about two hours' drive south of the Scottish border, so there is that proximity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I grew up in, in England, and I was named after my great-grandfather, who I never met in Malta. His name was Pietro. And there you go. Well, that, that's, that's how the accent and the name go together. Right. So you're not going to break out into any Spanish on us. Well, if I do, it would be very rudimentary. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have got that out of the way and we can concentrate on what was your journey to kind of understanding consciousness, waking up to your own consciousness. Was it something that was always there with you or was it something that kind of a little redirect came along in your life and said, this is the way to go? 
I don't know that at the very beginning of my, what I'll call my personal growth process, that I, I took consciousness into, into account. Um, but obviously that process was started, you know, when I, when I invested in, in my personal growth. Um, I, I think when my work started to focus on the relevance of emotions, of feelings, and that facet was brought into my work, um, then the word consciousness started to come up for me as, as a label, as an umbrella even, at, to my work. And your work, you've been rather diverse. I mean, you've you know, a professional musician, a school teacher, um, training in nutrition, and uh, you know, the creator of Body Speak, um, Eight Step Dialogue Technique. Um, you know, you've done a lot. So, and a lot of people think, well, if people have done a lot, um, they're not a master of any, but they don't realize that all of these journeys that you've taken are, are beautiful folds upon each other that create you being, becoming a master of understanding, isn't it? They're all stepping stones, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, you could say, you know, my role as a caregiver, my family of origin, uh, was a, a major stepping stone. My musicianship, you know, as a professional musician in, in England, you know, when I was a teenager, ages 15 to 20, was a significant stepping stone. Um, my work in, in business management uh, and as a teacher, everything's a stepping stone that you can look back and see the stones that you've stepped in order to be where you are today. So everything counted in my life to be able to talk about, to recognize the validity of consciousness. And we see that a lot with people today, don't we? I mean, I interview an awful lot of people that have left corporate, you know, six-figure income, high-powered yeah. jobs, and then suddenly it's like, I'm just not living an authentic life. None of this means anything to me. You know, I, I want to be conscious in, in my daily activity and, and be attached to something that means something to me. But all of the skills that they had in, in that corporate world then are now able to bring, but more mindfully, more consciously, into their chosen path. That's right. That's right. And sometimes, you know, the, the path that you might pick might sort of hit a bottom. It's very common for people to hit some sort of bottom for them, we'll call them, which um, you think when you're hitting the bottom, you know you're at the bottom of the ocean and uh, it's the end of everything, but then it actually turns out to be a springboard for... Uh, something completely different, something that really opens you up. There's a wonderful Celtic rune, you know, the runes are kind of like the I Ching, they're the, the Celtic uh, uh, kind of um, prediction of things, and there's a wonderful rune called Hagas, and uh, you know, whenever any you get this, it's disruption, and you know, nobody ever wants to get that, because it's all about this disruption going on in your life, but you yeah. can't have clarity, you can't have new beginnings until you do shake things up and kind of disrupt where you are, because that kind of helps clear things out, isn't it? it? You need those type of things in your life in order to kind of know what's working and what isn't. Absolutely. The chaos is as important, in some cases even more important, than the, than the harmony. In fact, you know, I'm not sure that you can fully reach the harmony unless you go through some element of chaos. Yeah. Um, you know, so absolutely, it's, it's, it's a vital part of, of our human development. You know, the people that have gone through that chaos and some of that has been, you know, the gentle kiss on the brow for some of them that's been a hatchet in the head, um, you know, and, and really a hard lesson to learn. But none of them would have gone 
you know, and said, why me? Or I wish I'd never done that. It's always like, right. I'm glad I had that experience because who I am now has been made up of what I discovered about myself along the way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think that's a, that's a real key. You know, when you can look back in your life and be grateful, I, I think there's a sense of forgiveness about that, you know, mm-hmm. you can look back in your life and, and, and say, I am glad that I suffered trauma. You know, I, I, am, I, I see the value of the maybe even abuse that I suffered to mold me to who I am now and create the person, person I am. So, you know, it's putting value on what we're calling the chaos, as we are calling Sarah, the, dis, dis, the disruption, mm-hmm. and the contribution to who we are. And, you know, it's celebrating our courage and our strength and what we discover about ourselves, right? That self-discovery through that adversity. And then, yeah. you know, from that, it like it's you know, going for gold nuggets, you know, you shake out all the the gravel and there is that nugget and where you have that aha moment of understanding why you're here and what your life is about. And there's, there's a phase, I think, I believe that we all go through and, and I certainly can recognize when I went through that, you know, which I, I, I sort of title and personal growth has been discovering who we are not, mm-hmm. you know, and letting, letting go come to know who we feel we, we, we are not letting go of that and as you say the nugget the gold nugget is revealed beneath that uh, our, our essence essentially who we are let's look at who we're not because if you think about it from the moment we're born you know we hear the word no you can't probably more than anything else um, yes. and uh, you know everything is about you know fit into the mold do as you're told uh, this is the way it's done um, and uh, failing you if you don't do it right their way. And yes. there's so much to undo. The older you get, the more programming that has been in there. There's so much to undo to allowing yes. your own inner voice to come out, isn't there? Absolutely, yes, yes. And the other aspect is, you know, when you, Sarah, when you bring that up, is that as children, we are very absorbent. We're sponges. We're meant to mm-hmm. absorb our environment. And so, yes, if we're sort of like live taught that if we do or don't do something, there will be consequence. And we're kind of like opening the door to anxiety, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> we're partnering with anxiety. And that's not, a, so, that's not a partner that's easy to give up or let go. And like that partner tends to stick around for the duration of our life and, and, until we face it and do something about it. Would you say that society is more stressed today than ever before? Because, there's, because there is that uh, possibility of achievement and so many more people can achieve things because of opportunities uh, that were never there before, there is this pressure put upon everybody to achieve uh, and uh, excel beyond. And I think that it adds so much stress to people of trying to become something they're not. Um, it's a, it's, that's an interesting question, you know, because do we live in a society that is more stressed than the nomadic tribe era, you know, whereby it became essential to get that animal so the community is fed, or if they're not, there's no social welfare, the community mm-hmm. does survive. Um, you know, and then we can go into certain elements of history where, uh, you know, there was times of persecution in history. So I'm not sure necessarily that we might live in a more stressful time. I think our stress is certainly more global. 
And I think it's definitely what you think, Sarah. I think there is a um, there is pressure in individual ways to achieve goals, and in the process, it's like we can forget about the the scenery that we're we're passing. You know, I can just tell a little story because um, my wife and I, Melanie, we're, we're travellers. We've travelled to a lot of actually, I've travelled to 37 countries to to date, and we we took a, a river trip in in Laos on the Mekong River for two days and it just was very noticeable that the vast majority of people westerners on that boat were really focused on the destination two days away right and they were very stressed by the end of it and for, and, but, and and I felt a lot of them missed the scenery the beauty of yeah. you know what was passing by them on the river the villages passed and it's life going on there and I think that can encapsulate how it can be today uh, we're co- we're encouraged to focus on goals and not so much encouraged to uh, enjoy the path that leads to those goals. You know, or or to be still enough to listen to our inner voice, right? You know, I mean, everybody is kind of saying, well, what's the answer? What's the answer? And, you know, downloading this app, uh, looking at this, Googling that, asking people that, and it says that, be still. You know, the answer lies within you. The people around you may have tools to help you access that. But ultimately, in your stillness, you'll discover what has been said to you, what's been guided. But people have a hard time listening to an inner voice. And, and, and this is a this is a really key point there because it depends who's in charge, right? Mm. If anxiety's in charge, anxiety really has no interest in, in anxiety. Wants to know, wants things to happen now, immediate. Whereas you say, when we're talking uh, from a place of authenticity of stillness then time becomes elastic time stretches out we're willing to survey the land and, and, and consider opportunities take counsel even then time comes into it but if anxiety is your master you want that goal right now yeah yeah, yeah. because it does it i mean literally it tightens everything up in your entire body and it, you know, brings. Uh, I've recently done a show on fascia, which you know, kind of opened up my world of understanding um, yeah, on, on yeah. a lot of things. And and uh, you know, it's we don't realize that that stress that's in our head is now riddled through our body, and now everything about what we're doing becomes so hard to do because we've put ourselves on high alert. And anything, if there was an answer put right in front of us, we wouldn't be able to see it because we're completely in that stress anxiety mode. Yeah, totally, Sarah. You know, um, you know, my sort of thing. On addition to that, would be, you know, when when we're in survival, which is what anxiety operates from, we produce more acid, hydrochloric acid, which is there to eat up fuel in our body, like our vitamins, minerals, and protein, very fast, so we can survive. And so, in a sense, it's like it's like going from being a driving a, a fuel-saving four-cylinder car, and now all of a sudden you're a four-wheel drive eight-cylinder truck that's going at a very low mileage. And so, the stress factor that you're talking about, that we're talking about here, can eat us up. It, it can create uh, fatigue, exhaustion, and burnout. And that's how we can operate from life every day. And I find a lot of that, you know, when you manage to step out of stress, you know, you know I'm a person with a history of, of anxiety and, and, and depression, which I know for a lot of, uh, for me, there's certain triggers, but also that chemical imbalance. And when you step out of it, 
and you look yeah. back at what you were so stressed about. It was like you took that tiny little pimple and you made it into a volcanic eruption. And yeah. all reason goes, doesn't it? Don't try and be rational with somebody that's in a stress thing because there is no rationality going on at all. No, it's yes, exactly it, yes, yes. And we all can hopefully look back and see that, that as you call it, the volcanoes that we create, um, which and we, we tend to operate from life where we're fearing our consequence or trying to avoid negative consequence. And... Uh, I think it's a healthy place to look back and, 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 and occasionally say, you know, what was the point back then? I don't want to go back <laughs> there too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard to go back personally when, you, when you're on a, a certain, uh, when you're in a certain place in your personal mm -hmm. development, it, you have to really try hard to go back. Yeah. Or, or, you know, sometimes a trigger may happen and you'll have a reaction. And all it is is that, you know, you're having a cellular reaction. It doesn't mean you're going backwards. Stop panicking. Take a deep breath. <laughs> well, the thing that personal growth can, uh, provides for you, self-improvement, is ultimately a, a cushion or a level of tolerance. You know, uh, we, we, we become more tolerant with our own self-growth. We can handle more. We can handle more stress. And as we continue working on ourselves, that level of cushion of tolerance expands. And so, you know, if we have stress that exceeds what we can handle, essentially with what I'm talking about here, then we've stepped outside our level of tolerance. And it can easily become, you know, that we can say, oh, we failed or we've gone backwards. I've mm -hmm. heard that in my session room many, many times. But the reality is that we've just stepped, stepped outside of our level of tolerance. So what, what needs to happen in order to step back into it, back inside it? I think that's, that, that's the question. I think one of the things um, is it, not being kind to yourself, right? I'm, I'm sorry, sir? Uh, one of the things I think would start off being is start being kinder to yourself. Yes, and there it is, tolerant towards ourselves, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can be our own worst judges, can't we? And and I think I that think persecution is what is a lot of the time that problem. Yes, and and you know just because we invested in our own self improvement, it does not mean guarantee that we're no longer perfectionists. Because mm -hmm. the the only guarantee perfection will provide for us is self beratement. You know the willingness to put ourselves down. Yeah, exactly. You know, so so it's also catching the fact when we may be moving into our own perfectionist territory where we expect a lot of ourselves. And that, that can still happen on the personal growth journey, very much so. So compared to what um, it used to look like, what would you say is a person's success today? How would it look for someone that's completely living in their consciousness? I don't know that completely living in consciousness, you know, we bring the time factor into it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think, I believe we're meant to be challenged, and this is why the word return is important, so that there will be times that our consciousness will be compromised, um, and, and, and that's part of the classroom that we're, we're in. So in this moments, I'll say Sarah, you know, which may be multiple moments when we are in consciousness, the word authenticity comes into play for me. I am, I am authentic. Mm -hmm. um, I will protect myself less from the anticipation in my traumas, my past traumas, 
I'll become more a willing participant in life. And I'll be less interested in holding myself back. I'll be more interested in bringing myself forth more. I feel less anxious, therefore I feel safer. Um, I'm more expressive and interactive. I may not have so much um, tolerance for superficiality or or non-authenticity. Don't say it. Let's not say I avoid it. You know, mm-hmm. but I may I may have a preference to operating in authentic environments with authentic people. I I will demand integrity and honesty from others because um, I stand for honesty and integrity within myself. And there is a willingness, as you said earlier on, Sarah, to take in our advice and at the same time to consider the advice from others that I'm interacting with, which really what I'm getting at there is the willingness to honor my limitations that exist within me over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I think and, that I think that word the big word the honor them. We are not yeah. meant to be all, you know, and everything. We are each gifted with something that we're here to do, an aptitude to something that is here for us. The whole thing about unity and collaboration is aligning with people that have an expertise in something you don't have, and collaborating yeah. together to create a whole. And if we stop trying to be perfect and recognize that we're perfect in, in, you know, in our purpose, then I yeah. think that is something that's, you know, I think freezes up a great deal. Absolutely. And I think you've hit upon, an, when you say collaboration, that's an important point, Sarah, that you make, because consciousness allows us to appreciate uh, our environment, um, our part in environment, our effect on an environment, our community, other people, and take responsibility for that. So we're far more compassionate, interactive with what goes on outside of ourselves as a result of the interaction that takes place within ourselves. You know, when we drop the competitiveness, and I don't mean you know, a certain amount of competition is, is, is not good because it is, but that competitive nature to try and be better than somebody or more yes. important than someone, you know, um, or, or, you know, that you've got to have it all and to have everybody, you know, adore you, uh, as we're seeing one particular politician to be right now. Um, you know, that ego, which is so, yeah, you know, which what I'm talking about. Um, I, I guess right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you're actually, let's take him, you know, and yes, we're talking about Trump. Uh, you, you know, he's a prime example of taking somebody that already was an egomaniac. But, you know, you could see this godlike presence coming about him, not in a good way, in this, you know, um, the, the power of glory, you know, of self-glory growing in him to a very dangerous level. And, uh, yeah. and you know, I think it's it's a great mindful lesson for all of us is that admiration and respect and people appreciating you is wonderful but be careful you don't cross that boundary there where you lose yourself in all right. the praise right no it, yes I, I know it's a fascinating thing that's going on in American politics right now but at the same time it is scary and you mentioned competitiveness which is wouldn't be in in the vocabulary of of consciousness mm-hmm. necessarily, you know. Um, you know, I, I grew up myself um, 
as somebody who was lacking attention and so became very competitive in my teenage and, and, and 20s. But now I can look back and say, you know, there was a void that was looking to be filled by getting attention. And that's what musicianship can often be, you know. Mm-hmm. You get so much attention and adulation in front of your audience, it becomes addictive and it becomes a goal that you strive for forevermore. And I wonder about this about our politicians sometimes, you know, is that this need for competitiveness, the goal of attention, how is that reflecting on perhaps the void of attentiveness that they experienced in earlier years? Yes, substituting, right? You know, it's substituting a, indeed, yeah. yeah. I mean, I say place importance upon yourself because you are the most important person in your life and you need to be full and abundant so your cup can yeah. run on over. But it's a very different thing from being... Uh, you know, self-important, where that is very ego-driven and very often comes from that insecurity of having to prove yourself. And, uh, you know, as you said, I mean, it it can be in all of us because it's a reflection on, you know, how we're brought up and our environment. But I think being mindful of it is something, uh, as you say, that, that conscious journey that we take into awakening, being mindful of that I'm needing this attention to prove yes. something to myself. And right. it's and it's like, no, you don't need that attention to prove it to yourself. The proving of yourself lies within you. Take care of you and you won't need to prove it to anyone. That's right. And, and you know, just with what you said there, Sarah, it's very, very important, you know. It, it's, like, it's like a... Um, it's, it's, if I sort of like bring that down in and, and, and pieces there, you know, what, what you pretty well said in my observation there is that you might have got inner advice in a way that from a part of yourself to strive for importance but then you put a boundary down and said no I do not necessarily accept that this advice is appropriate for me so I reject this advice with respect because I feel you know this alternative approach is more appropriate for me in in this moment Exactly, knowing your boundaries. And let's go back to the politics because it it does affect the world. Um, and I also think at the present moment, it is that crossroads that humanity is out. You've got a Pope that says, I don't care what faith you are as long as it's based in love and kindness. I yeah. mean, that's already a mind-boggling thing. Wonderful. You've got, you know, the Trumps of the world, which is, you know, I'm, I'm in one of his statements, I can go out and shoot somebody and my followers will still follow me. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, and the way he talks about women and everything else. I mean, just so beyond the boundaries. Um, And then you go over to Bernie, a Jewish 74 year old who has more millenniums of of mixed culture, race, sexual preference, you name it, following him because he's invited people in a unity. It's not based in religion, it's based in community, collaboration. We're in this together, let's do it. He's, he's an inspiration that has become an invitation. And I think this is the crossroads that we are in our lives right now. Do we want to be a part of that inspiration uh-huh. that invites us to collaborate and be a part of that beautiful collective consciousness that has solutions and wants betterment for the world? Or do we want to be part of this other ego-hate driven that has really been the destructor of the human race for so long yes indeed yeah yeah you, you, i think you're right sarah there is a crossroads 
And certainly when we hear Trump, he's not talking collaboration, is he? <laughs> I don't think it's in its vocabulary at all. <laughs> he's on an opposite spectrum in that regard. Yeah. But uh, we needed him, didn't we? I mean, we needed him to shake up the establishment and saying, this is where you're at. And he's not alone. He has a whole 1%, you know, behind him that are like that. And you've given all your power up to him. If you want to take your power back, you're going to have to work together. And that, I think, is where that, I mean, I, I love looking at the world as a global village of collaboration, respect, and honoring dignity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, he's definitely, Trump is definitely shaking up, uh, certainly America, if, if not our world at this time and um, giving us an opportunity to ask the question, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. You know, and what is he reflecting? Uh, is this really the path and the direction that is healthy for us to go down? These are very important questions to be asking on a continual basis for, uh, for each one of us. About ourselves too. About ourselves, and that's really where I'm going really? more than anything else. Yes, yeah. because you know, are, are you, is there a little bit of a Trump in you? Have you been a naysayer? Have you, you know, um, been disrespectful towards other people? You know, and just because it's been a pattern, mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's I think mindfulness to consciousness is mm -hmm. is we have to be very careful of not only our thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. that's where it starts, and then our words, and then of course our actions, and that speaks yep. volumes of who you are, and. Mm -hmm. and so what would, be, what would be some of the, the tips that you give to people in that awakening up into being mindful of their conscience? Working with resistance um, within ourselves depends how far we can go back, really. You know, um, I, I don't know that uh, in some ways a conscious personal journey begins when we move out of denial. Mm. And, and we've sort of seen that with you know, the Trump model that we're talking about here, Sarah, you know, is essentially, you know, looking outside of yourself has, has been the source of the problem. And so when you cross that threshold um, from denial, you move into self-responsibility. You know, what is my contribution? What's going on for me? Um, how am I contributing to what may be going on in my own environment, if not my world? That's a whole different scenario. And, and so it depends where we're at. I, I think to be able to ask the question, are we operating from a denial scenario or you know, are we taking full responsibility is a primary question to be asking ourselves. It's the difference between improving uh, non-consciously and improving consciously. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that finger pointing, start. right? You know, turn the finger back to yourself because... If you're reacting this way, there's something in you that's causing you to do that reaction. What is it that you need to do to yeah. change the way you see life? Because yeah. the way we see life is the way we interact and reflect. And if that negativity is constantly coming out of you, that's what you're going to get back, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And so I mentioned the, also the word, and to your question before, I mentioned the word resistance. And there's a question I, I invariably ask him my classes, one of my early classes in my program, you know, is that what is the, gar what is the guarantee uh, that goes along with change? 
and and the answer to that is, is resistance because if we if we desire if we set about to change we will hit resistance and the resistance within ourselves that can be reflected outside of ourselves so part of the um, the ability to move into consciousness retain consciousness is the ability to recognize the name for ourselves to, to get to know our resistance essentially and to be able to work with resistance because as we follow the path of resistance it inevitably leads to our own personal opening and our own expansion ultimately mm -hmm. forgiveness that's a big word and and something that i think people find very hard to do the forgiveness of themselves the forgiveness of people around them and i think it it holds people back a great deal but uh, you know i uh, present this sarah it's it's very hard to be in forgiveness when we're angry yes you know right in other words the doorway to forgiveness as you as you so rightly say there is i find can be one of the doorways is through our, our anger which inevitably will be directed towards ourselves so to be able to neutralize to manage our own self-critic in a way eventually will lead to a place of forgiveness which starts at home mm -hmm. yeah I mean, I get all the time from people, I'm only one person, what can I do? The world is screwed up, you know, uh, what can I do? And it's, it starts with you. If every single body took accountability and responsibility for self and yes. raise that vibration, you know, tune in to that higher consciousness, live authentically, uh, be kind and not only to themselves but to other people, we are now sending out a beautiful domino effect around the world of healing. And so... It's not waiting for the big leaders or the big establishment to change. We create that change by creating it within us first, don't we? Absolutely. By, by, by taking responsibility, by working on our own self-improvement. Uh, first of all, we're in line with the universe, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, physicists tell us that all the time you know, that our universe is expanding at a, at a rapid rate. And so by committing to our own self-expansion, we are mimicking our universe. We're, we're part of that flow. And yes, we become models to others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I see families in my, like whole families in my, in my private practice. And, and I often say to the parents, you know, you, you're providing something very beautiful and important to your children. You know, you're providing the fact that I recognize my limitations. I seek help from somebody else, in this case myself, and, um, you know, I'm mod you're modeling, not standing still, working through things. Yeah. And, and, and that has huge value in people's lives. And, and kind of like, I think it takes away the blame game, doesn't it? You know, when you have an understanding of why people have reacted the way they have, then you understand that, you know, there isn't that blame going on around that everybody is reacting to one another and if that reacting is not being beneficial to to the family then clearly you need to look at the core thing of what's causing that reaction and and stop blaming something but start trying to understand how this all started unraveling in the first place absolutely yeah 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 the key question how can you manage your anxiety how can you manage your anger mm -hmm. now yeah. anger is is you know, <laughs> Um, a huge one. I mean, there are some people that just 
it's so easily triggered um, and it could be over something completely stupid and then they have completely lost the control and there's the verbal anger and of course the physical anger you know what what are some of the techniques you do to actually helping people recognize for a start that they have anger issues and you know what are the steps that they can take to start diffusing it well the key a key here Sarah is to is to understand the difference for us all to understand the difference between anger and rage because I want to propose that anger is a healthy emotion mm -hmm. it's a necessary emotion you know a healthy response anger response is to say you know I am angry uh, sufficiently angry that I want to create change you know right but, but when anger congests over time then anger will become rage and rage is something it's like an avalanche that can fall down it's not something that easily or can be controlled and uh, you know I believe as I'm sh sure you'll agree here that rage is a very much a part of our world these days it's, it's, it's everywhere because one of the key components of rage is rage will always seek revenge mm -hmm. and always get back. But anger is a whole different situation. You know, anger, I'm in charge, I should be in charge of my anger, and I will decide the level of anger that's appropriate for the situation that's presented to me. Can I give an example of that, sir? Please do, like, please do, yes. Yeah. yeah, there was a time, and I'm going back a few years ago, that we live in a very quiet neighborhood on Vancouver Island in British Columbia and so when this drunk came to our door and banged on the door and wanted in um, I got quite angry in, in initially and so rather than reacting um, to being woken up in that way as I walked from the distance from my bedroom to the door um, I sort of went through my mind you know well yes there's been times in my musician days I've had too much to drink albeit many many years ago and I wonder if this man has a family and um, you know and if what if I reported him to the police uh, what will happen to him and so I got my phone I dialed 9-1 I didn't dial the last one I got the other side of the door and I said in a strong voice an angry voice excuse me sir you're in the wrong house you need to leave now and he said oh sorry and he walked off and he fell in my, uh, one of the bushes in the front garden on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's an example. I yes. exercised anger as my ally and I was conscious and I was in charge and I used a level of anger that was appropriate at the time. And you didn't take it, you know, to the extreme, which that is that reaction that most people would do immediately, 911. He's on my lawn, he's doing this. Their reaction yeah. would be overplayed. But. You yeah. you presented it, and it just became a kind of oh okay, I'm in the wrong place, you know. And as simple yeah. as that. And it's, I think we're inclined to kind of over dramatize things, aren't we? Or, or or let that fear step in, that hysteria step in. And I think yeah. this is this is again when we're going back to Trump. I mean, he steers everything up with fear and hysteria, and gets yeah. everybody on that bandwagon. There is no reasoning in that. There is no logic in that. It becomes something that's a a little beast all of its own, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So, you know, you asked the question that you asked earlier on this, Sarah, it's still relevant to you. You know, I work with anger, uh, uh, let's say rage, a, a lot. Not to say I have rage, rageful people in my, in my room, 
but it becomes important for us to find individual techniques in order for a person to recognize when they're operating from rage. And passive-aggressive behavior is very much a rage behavior. Mm -hmm. um, when they're operating in, in ways to get that revenge or get, yeah. get back on people or control, it's really being honest with that. Um, it's, it's, it's creating exercises. Anger or rage responds well to physical exercises as many techniques that I have to work with, uh, with with that but a large part of it is to start getting rid of the congested rage that many of us many people have have accumulated over time so they can use anger as their as their ally to create safety because when you have a relationship with your anger you feel calmer inside mm -hmm. because you feel safer inside yeah I actually want to, to share a story, too, of somebody that I interviewed that kind of blew my mind. And uh, okay. it's, it's a true story, and it was made into a movie. And it's um, a pastor, and he, he was with his pregnant wife in the car, two kids in the back, and a young 17-year-old drunk driver hit them, killing his wife, baby, and the two children. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, of course, he, he's, he's obviously angry and everybody else is angry and it's like, tore, sure. you know, tear and quarter the guy and, you know, execute him and, you know, everybody wanting that kind of revenge on that kid. And he uh -huh. said, but I'm a pastor and I teach forgiveness and understanding. He made yeah. a mistake that took four lives, but who am I now to pass that judgment on him? And, yeah. you know, a little time went by, obviously, but then he reached out to the kid in jail and helped him get his own life back on track. And he said, uh, that was more meaningful to me uh, in honoring my family than the revenge. But a lot of people around him didn't understand. They yes. wanted the revenge. That courage that he had to do that is something I hope would be in me. Because yeah. that, I think, is an extreme example of that, that forgiveness uh, that, you know, be something we could all aspire to if we were ever in that situation. Absolutely, Sarah. You know, and the, is, the word I love the word courage that you use because to walk on your path of your own growth, your own expansion is a path of courage. Mm -hmm. Because you're swimming against cultural tides a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it takes strength to do that. You know, on, on my Facebook, my pictures there is the you know, these goldfish playing one way and one bluefish swimming the other way. Guess who's the bluefish? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've done that all my life, and and it's uh, I just couldn't fit into the box or into the the system. It, it's always been uh -huh. something I've rebelled from, and there's another word, rebellion. And yeah. uh, you know, we, we're looking at a cultural rebellion going on with the Bernies right now. It's a revolution, and it's a movement that's peaceful, as opposed to uh -huh. this other rebellion that's gone back on the old bandwagon. And it's, you know, you talk about the anger and rebellion and movement and revolution. It can be done peacefully when it's done in respect of the unison of voice, right? Yes. That's right, yes. And, I mean, figures such as Gandhi mm -hmm. uh, actualize that. Yes. And, and essentially, that's what we're looking at within, our, within ourselves. We're looking at a, a peaceful uh, kind of rebellion, you know, against mm -hmm. our own, the trends that we've kind of absorbed you know, from the beginnings of our life. Yeah. And essentially, you know, in some case, and when we're talking about things that we've already talked about today, perfectionism and reaction yeah. and anxiety, we're sort of asking ourselves to put a boundary 
up an inner boundary or inner boundaries against these movements, you know, these, these his, histories that we've, we've, we've absorbed. And whichever way we go, if, if, to be able to say no involves some element of relationship with our own anger. Mm-hmm. Right? It may be a benign no, or it may be a strong, loud no. Whichever way I'm looking at, I'm on the spectrum of anger there. With my anger becomes an ally to be able to incorporate inner boundaries that's able to help me swim against the cultural trends that may exist within me. And, and, and I think I think I'm answering the question that was asked quite a few minutes ago there, which um, I'm still talking about resistance here. Yeah. About to manage our resistance. Yeah, I, you know it's honouring ourselves, isn't it? You know, I mean. Yeah. I'm I'm a very spiritual being, you know. I'm a spiritual counselor, you know. I always have been, and I, and I speak constantly to you know to the divine energy that is within us, and that you know when we're never alone, we're all part of that beautiful collective energy. The answers are always there, but I'm yes. also a person that does get angry or outraged on the injustices in the world, and I yes. will speak out against that because that is my boundary of intolerance and I will speak uh-huh. out for those that that need a voice or need someone standing up for them and it's yeah. not me taking the pitchfork it's me taking the torch and lighting the way to to liberty and freedom and so right. it, that is the way I kind of use my anger and so it, as you said it's good to have it as a driving force to make change that's right and so you're telling me here that you are in partnership with your anger in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. But you're also telling me as well, I think, Sarah, that you're in charge of the direction of your, how, how you're directing your anger in the example that you're giving. Would that be right? Yes, completely. Yeah, yeah because, you know, it, it, a lot of people think that when you get into consciousness or embrace the word spirituality and, you know, divine energy, that it's kumbaya, cross-legged, you know, um, yeah. and, and abstaining from life. And it isn't. It's a state of being, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a conscious awareness of that beautiful divine energy and connectiveness with the universe and each other, that beautiful matrix that joins us all together, um, that actually is, is what unites us into being the community we should be. Absolutely. And when, you, when we begin to manage our resistances um, and create the boundaries for them, then that authentic experience for me, which is that's what you're talking about, you know, that mm-hmm. spiritual experience, that awareness starts to emerge. Because in a sense, all of these other aspects, resistances that we've, talked to, we've been talking about have covered up that authentic nature that we all have. And when they have less power, that authentic nature can start to start to appear, become more prominent in our lives, and thrive, essentially. There's another word I want to introduce here, selective. And I think we become a lot more selective on um, our surroundings, people we interact with, things we're willing to do, things that used to be important to us are no longer. And I think there's a lot of kind of simplicity that's brought into the way we kind of simplify our lives and be more selective of what we're willing to give our energy to? Absolutely, Sarah. You know, you use, using the word selective, I would use that too. I would use the word choice mm-hmm. as well. You know, we, we make uh, choices that are appropriate, that are uh, feed us more peaceful, less stressful, 
uh, those choices become more, or we select elements of our lives in order to su support that on an everyday basis for ourselves. Absolutely. And of course, when you do choose to, to live in, in, in that consciousness and bring it into your world, your life does get simplified more, doesn't it? You know, the brain, the mind wants to overcomplex everything. You know, look at the equations, run them thousands of times over. You could do it this way and that way. But when you listen to that knowingness, that beautiful divine intellect resonates with the heart in, in passion and understanding, goes into the spirit of action. Your mind knows what it needs to know at the time it needs to know it because there is that partnership of those senses that are there. And it just, I think, simplifies the way we, we receive our knowledge and trust our knowledge without overcomplicating it all the time. And I think, yeah, that's what you said is important also because if you, you know, I, I would say when we are in a place of anxiety, or when anxiety is more prominent within ourselves, it, it, life becomes more complicated because we're operating often from shoulds. Mm. What, what, what may happen, but it may not happen as well, you know based upon our past often. It happened to us back then, so it's going to happen again. Yeah. Anxiety has us operate in fantasy a lot. Mm, the what ifs, what ifs. <laughs> what ifs, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but what it, if it, this happens? What if that happens? Well, what if it doesn't? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, and, you right. know, I mean, that's also an, another thing that stops people from growing too, isn't it? Is they get into the what if, but, you know, what if I can't do this? Or what if that happens? And, and because of those what ifs, they, they literally block their, their possibilities and those beautiful opportunities that are waiting for them because they talk themselves out of it. Yep, yep. I, I believe the rise, and I've seen it so many times in my work, the rise of authentic authenticity, a person becomes more conscious, more authentic when they're beginning to manage their, their anxiety. So they challenge their anxiety. You know, anxiety might say, as you just said, Sarah, what if this was to happen? And so I name my anxiety is counseling me right now. What if I disagree with anxiety? And so I open myself to what's possible for me rather than what anxiety feels I should might protect myself from. I mean, part of that, you know, that flight or fight, you know, and, and that anxiety is, is kind of something that was inbred in our psyche, in our very being to protect us, you know, from the animals, from whatever was out there, you know, growing up. But we have evolved so much more in, in our consciousness um, and in our vibration that we actually don't put out that vibration or kind of invitation of bad things. We put out a vibration of invitation of good. And in that involvement um, uh, of you know, growing and radiating that beautiful frequency out to other people. We don't need to be in this, you know, uh, fight or fright mode all the time. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I, I come from the, in my work, I come from the recognition that I have this suspicion, Sarah, that every one of us has suffered trauma at one time, uh -huh. you know. And, and certainly when we're very young, there's the greater potential of us incurring trauma because we're absorbent, we're, we're innocence, innocent. And so, in a sense, if we don't deal with our trauma, trauma becomes like a shareholder. <laughs> it could be a majority shareholder. Yeah, and, one and of those board members point, you can't get out. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And, and until you sort of have the board meeting where you sort of address the, the, the trauma shareholder and chase that trauma shareholder out, 
it, it'll always sort of try to get into create policy in our lives, you know, a direction in our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think that's important, an, an important aspect as well as that. Uh, who's in charge here? Is that trauma in charge from a past, or, yeah. or, or are we in charge? And also, you know, the body has the cellular memory, doesn't it? And you know, we absolutely. Have to and so we have to do an awful lot of, you know, uh, kind of repetitive on our new mindset and constantly allowing that growth in order to change that programming in the mind and to kind of reprogram that cellular structure. Yes, well, it, there's always this need to remind ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no guarantee that, uh, for example, I personify uh, the trauma here, there's no guarantee that trauma is going to believe me, mm. you know. I have to show up I, as an authority for myself. I have to um, be in charge. I have to constantly remind my trauma that we don't have to go there. We don't have to protect ourselves in this way. We're okay. We're safe. And, uh, you know, kind of that's where that kindness and that self-nurturing comes in, is that, you know, if a child comes to you crying and, the, you know, they're had a bad dream or whatever you, you know you're going to be nurturing if that child has that dream again you're going to be nurturing it again so why can't we just be repetitively nurturing towards ourselves and it's not like i tried it once or it happened once and it didn't work it's just keep going until you know there isn't the need to, to be able to have to speak that anymore you can move on to something else but we can't give up on ourselves that's right and and we're talking integration here mm. right that's what you're saying what you said yes so integration is agreement. Yeah. Right? And so where we run into problems and issues is when there's separation within ourselves. And separation is defined, you know, I'm giving that example before, is our anxiety or our trauma can become our leader in a sense, even though we may, we may be doing some things that we don't really want to do, you know, and there's a separation within ourselves. Right. Yeah. When we do finally you know become in our consciousness and and live within that it's a very beautiful place to be um you know doesn't mean that you don't have those things knocking on your door now and again um, but you right. know how to deal with them you you know you don't become so reactionary you, you've got the tools you've got the psyche you've got the the whole energy and how to deal with some it's such a beautiful divine peaceful state of being not just state of mind state of being that it, it changes your health, it changes your whole thought approach to life. Everything becomes a lot calmer and uh, simpler and, uh, and and kind of deeper and, and better in understanding, you know, when we choose to take that journey to get to that point. And I would just add the wor- a word to what you've just said there. I agree with everything you say. I would add the word safe. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. when you're conscious, you feel safer. Yeah. You yeah, know, and consciousness becomes your home. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's it's again trusting in that knowingness, isn't it? You know, you know you're not alone. You know that the universe is with you, and you you feel safe in in those arms, and you also feel safe in the knowledge of knowing what to do, in when you That's face certain situations. So yeah, it's a beautiful state of being. So now with um, your book, um, Journey uh-huh. into Consciousness, and also all of your programs, you know, start uh, telling people that some of the the programs that you have to offer and the book and everything so they know what services you offer well um i'm a i'm a practitioner and a busy practitioner so there is that service i enjoy my one-on-one work um 
which is also available to anybody. I have quite an international practice. I do a lot of phone sessions, Skype sessions. <clears throat> so there is my work very much involves and incorporates my session work. Um, the ARC Institute offers two programs. One is the Journey to Consciousness. There is a new Journey to Consciousness program taking place on September 30th, um, limited enrollment. <clears throat> and that, that program uh, focuses more on practitioner development. Um, uh, it, it, it teaches you essentially to have a career as an ARC practitioner on the other hand, you can add the skills to the modality that you already are, are committed to. Um, my work very much has significant emphasis on care of the practitioner. And so in time, that, that opened up another program, which is a second program called uh, Path to Authenticity, and that's purely about personal growth, where if a journey to consciousness involves personal growth and how to apply that for the care of others, Path to authenticity because it's almost self-indulgent in a way because mm -hmm. it's purely mm -hmm. about you, your growth, your expansion, essentially. And those are the two programs that uh, the ARC Institute offers at, at, at this time. And of course, um, if you're not whole within yourself, if you're not being authentic in your own life, you're shortchanging yourself, you're creating more work for yourself and, and you know embracing that authenticity that meaningful purpose in your life you know becomes uh, something that then you can step into that other consciousness where you can then contribute and collaborate um and be of service to other people you know That's strengthening right. that village but first and foremost take care of yourself you can't Ab help anyone else until you do absolutely absolutely and it's very important because and I'll say this on the very first class, is that uh, invariably people can be attracted to caregiving work because of codependent paths. Yeah. Where, it's, where they indulge in care for others at the sacrifice of themselves. I was there. Yep. Oh, I was there too, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that one. <laughs> Many years ago I was there yeah. too. And uh, fortunately that was a wake-up call for me. But so, so care of the practitioner involves being able to turn around, reverse the codependent tendency that we can have as caregivers. So we enter the session room professionally as equals. We're aware of our own gas gauge and when we're moving on empty and what to do about that rather than being unconscious of it and moving into burnout and exhaustion as many therapists have to face. Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between being of service and being of servitude, isn't there? Um, ever, yes. You know, you can become the servant to something and that becomes resentful and it chews you up. Or you can be of service and you can only be of service if you're full and abundant within yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, um, the beauty of being of service to your community, of embracing what your beautiful gift is to the world, um, you know, tr stop trying to be all, I'll end all, you know, stop trying to be everything. Everybody is gifted a skill um, some people it takes a little while in their lives and a journey to discover what that skill is um, yeah. some people come across it earlier and use it maybe in a different way when they finally get there to that meaningful purpose yeah. and they use that skill that is what you are meant to perfect that is what your purpose here is in life you're not meant to be able to go and do everything else this is your gift embrace this gift because that is what's going to help your village 
I love the word village. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, 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 and it's in line with what we were talking about before. You know, as we go, as we walk along the personal growth path and we become authentic, mm-hmm. then we find our, our, our life's path comes to us. How do we know our life's path? We know our life's path because of the passion that we feel yeah. towards it. Yeah, the conviction, passion. the passion, the knowledge, it just opens up the floodgates, doesn't it? You know, but yeah. we, we've got to be willing. I mean, I've just celebrated now. I'm going into my fifth year of being a host. And then, of course, I have my own station, which is coming up three years. That first oh. show I did was a Monty Python skit. Everything went wrong. And I, uh, did, uh, I did live shows for 13 months. And, you know, there'd be times that my guests would disappear on the other side or not turn up at all. And, and you know, uh, those are just challenges along the way. And you learn to kind of perfect your skill as you go if it means something to you, if it gets your soul, your heart, and your spirit, and your mind in one, and you can feel the passion, the conviction behind it, the skill will be learnt along the way. But That's don't, right. w- don't wait right. to get the skill perfected before you follow the passion. Follow the passion, the skill will be there. <laughs> Absolutely. And when you describe what you're describing, Sarah, you know, I could hear that along the way as you hit these challenges, then there was some recovery needed from those challenges along the way. Yeah. Am I right? Yes. Please. Yeah. Yeah. It's the old song. I forget what the song's called. Pick yourself up, dust yourself yes. up. And start, start all over, all again, over right? again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the thing is, is when you know I, I I celebrate people on these shows. You know I celebrate people of the who've embraced their meaningful journey. Um, you oh. know some people like that gentleman. You know lost four of his family members. Another person, 65% of her body burned, but she said, I survived for a reason. I'm going to get out and live. You know, other people who have faced yeah. cancer or divorce or, you know, um, all sorts of stuff, you know, being refugee, um, you know, uh, abuse, you know, and they've decided to honor their lives, to honor their meaningful purpose, to stand up and say, yes, I do count for something. And I yeah. celebrate their courage, their strength, their inspiration, um, you know, their the the tools that they now share with other people because yes. they are truly the gift to us. Their journey has become our gift. That's right, and that, and that there's the model, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never be ashamed of your story, because it becomes somebody else's liberation. Never becomes ashamed of your story. Absolutely, yeah. Because your story can be an inspiration to to anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think the people that step up and own it, not only is it cathartic and healing for them, but it becomes uh, something for other people to go, where if they survived it, I can start taking my journey and I can survive it too. So it's very, yeah. very important. And n- don't be, a, you know, a scared of your conscious awakening. It, it's a very beautiful place to be, isn't it? It is a very beautiful place to be, and it can it can be disorientating at first. Yes, I, I, I mean, that's what my work is about. It's about becoming more conscious. You know, it can it can lead people to a kind of an identity crisis, mm-hmm. and temporary. So, it it can question changes in contracts and friendships that we have made. Yes, it, it can. You know, it can it can have quite a tremendous change in our world, and uh, it it can seem scary at at, at a time. I, I sort of like put the metaphor of the, of the egg timer attached to it. You know, person's in that phase. I'm saying you're at the narrowest part of the egg timer. Don't worry. The sand keeps going out into the into the other right. part of the, the egg timer. 
there, there will be an opening that will, that will come. Yeah. And, the, you know, one of the worst things we can do is live in a lie. You know, live in this expectation that's being put upon us to be something else other than what we are. And the yeah. best liberation and freedom and dignity that you can give yourself is embracing who you are designed to be. And embrace that beautiful gift that lies within you and find that courage and that strength to take that journey. And as you said, you may have to say goodbye to people. You may have to say goodbye to a life and a career that, you, that you've become habitually known to. But when you honor your path, your journey, your being, you know, that is the best investment you'll ever do on yourself. And there's a couple of words I really like that you use there, design. I, I like your use of that word, Sarah. I also like you, you keep going back to honor, mm. and that's an important part of it. And, you know, going back to our program in our school, I think that's that's a prime thing that we offer our students. We honor their journey, the individuality of the journey, and the specialness of what they have, each person has to offer. Yeah, because uh, when you look at it as a, as a whole being, each one of us is a little cellular structure. And yes, there's trillions of, of cells in this whole being. But when those cellular structures start breaking down and become disease, it affects everybody. So the mm-hmm. healthier and the happier and the more plump and juicy we are, the more <laughs> that we are actually going to contribute to that whole being. So be uh-huh. selfish, please. Place importance upon yourself, be abundant, seek your authenticity, because now you become the contributors rather than the people holding back. I look plump and juicy as well. (laughs) 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 Place importance on yourself because then you're operating life from a a fuller gas tank, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And therefore you can travel further. Exactly. And traveling is wonderful. Take the journey of life. It's exciting. So exciting. Yeah, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring is not something to be anxious about. It's something to be adventurous about. And those are words of a full cup, mm-hmm. what you just said there, right? Mm-hmm. A full, uh, go back to the metaphor, a full tank. Because when your tank is empty, you don't see life in that way, do you, Sarah? No, no, you don't. No, you see life from a scarcity perspective. It's right. not enough. I'm not enough, etc. But when you, when you look after yourself, when you care for yourself, when you work on yourself, when you, you bring your own path as importance, when you operate from that full tank, then life has, it, you look at life from that abundance, through those abundance eyes yeah. that you just expressed there. Plump and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> and adventurous. You know, what's around the corner? It's not something I'm afraid of. It's something I'm excited to see. Uh, uh, yeah. Right? And that's because you get an excitement back into your life of like, where can I go? Who can I meet? What's what's waiting for me tomorrow? And it's mm-hmm. you know and and how can I participate in my day? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And when our anxiety tries to sneak in and say, ah, but you <laughs> know, <laughs> I doubt this, then from that abundant, authentic place, you can say, oh, I see you tried to sneak in there. It's okay. Settle down. Everything's going to be okay. I've got this. I've got this down. Just come along. <laughs> well, you know there is the other thing. Piss off. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm, I, I'm there. Uh, the other thing we can do is just turn around and go. Piss off. You're not wanted here. <laughs> well, there's a boundary. <laughs> yeah. Boundary, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's actually sort of. It's actually sort of like a, a, a aspect of timing. Do Do you provide comfort and assurance for our anxieties, or do you put that boundary up yeah. and say, go? Yeah. Exactly. No. Yeah. You're just not wanted here. You're something from the past. You're not serving my present or future. Right? 
That's right. Yeah, the That's gift right. the gift of the uh, you know the gift of the present is in the now. So, um, yes, and so live in your now because as you said, everybody is waiting for that destination. Well, your destination is death. You're here to live. So if you yeah. live in every moment, you purely un- you truly understand what life is about, and it's about exuberance. Um, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, it's all about feeling and interacting with life. And that is where the true abundance, and that's what the journey is for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, Sarah, yes. So... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lovely place to be when you decide to invest in yourself and take the journey. So I highly recommend, folks, that uh, you reach out and and let them help you on your path. So it's called the arcinstitute.com. And uh, yes, triple W, the Arc Institute. And Arc is spelled uh, A-R-C. So triple W, the arcinstitute.com. And um, I also have a book blog that's... Um, I contribute to with an excerpt from my book usually every four, maybe six weeks. Uh, and that's at www.pietro, P-I-E-T-R-O dot C-A. And, and uh, the, jour- the programs that you've got coming on, uh, so it's programs slash journey to consciousness um, that's, yes. um, for signing up for the September program. That's right. We're just getting it in a place. I'm actually working on rewriting uh, on the on the website, so uh, that should be completed in a month. But absolutely, there's still information that's up there about the Journey to Consciousness program, and we are we are accepting registrations at this time. And uh, if you're if you're attracted, anybody out there attracted to taking the program, I would advise to consider registering pretty soon. There's a lot of interest out there. Yes, exactly. This time. Yeah, so and it also gives time. you time to kind of plan your life around it and, and what's coming and what you need to do to, pr- you know, kind of prepare for it. So it's it's good to have that goal um, because that becomes part of your seeding in your psyche of the changes that you're willing to embrace. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly, yes. And, and, and phone number for sessions, um, I can that would be on, on any of those sites, so I can give that right now. If, if okay, yes, yes. 250... Seven five two three eight five zero is the phone number. Okay, and all of this is on the posting, folks. Uh, um, uh, the Facebook, the Twitter. Uh, you can contact them at contact us at theartinstitute.com. Uh, you know, please post this show around. You know, the whole thing is about awakening this consciousness, you know, being part of this beautiful collective. It's not becoming a Borg and being mindless. It's about becoming sharing our energy and uh, sharing our beautiful gifts with the world in order to actually help this world grow. And if we want a better world, it starts with us. So invest in yourself. If you are a, a practitioner or a coach or whatever out there and you want to hone those skills in, um, the Art Institute is there for you. So whether it's you personally awakening or wishing to take these skills into helping your own clientele, Pietro is there for you. Thank you, absolutely. Wonderful. A little closing uh, advice for us? Well, uh, just when you were saying what you said there, Sarah, if you invest into or uh, your own personal, your own growth, your own betterment, you are bettering your world automatically. There's benefit for us all with that. In every way, mind, body, soul, and spirit, right? Absolutely, in, in every way. Right. Yes. 
and community village. <laughs> everybody <And> benefits. <laughs> That's the whole benefit. point. When you benefit, <laughs> everybody benefits. Yes. So, so, so get selfish, right? <laughs> Uh, yes, if that's what selfishness is, absolutely yes. get selfish. Absolutely. Need, there's a T-shirt in there somewhere for you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, you know, we always need that encouragement, and people need to understand what that conscious journey is about. And, you know, if they stop kind of overcomplicating it and, and just look at the, the simplicity and, and realize there is no awakening into consciousness without some effort and some work. But when you're willing to invest in that little work and that, that effort and take that journey, you'll suddenly find that you're on a water slide, you know, sliding down into the water there and it, it doesn't become something so restrictive anymore. You've given yourself permission to embrace. Absolutely. Yes, we, that's, that's totally right on for me. Okay, folks, so it's up to you. Reach out. Let them help you. And uh, <laughs> let's have more conscious people awoken in this world because it will make this world a better place. Thank you so much, Pietro. Absolutely. My pleasure, Sarah. Thank you very much as well. Oh, Lovely my pleasure. Time. My pleasure. Until Bye -bye. next time, folks, remember, you are part of the solution to this global problem. Step into helping yourself and being abundant within your own life, and then your cup may run off over. <laughs>